We are in the midst of another season of harvest. If you've driven out in the country at all, you've seen lots of activity in the fields. How many of you have gotten annoyed because you've had to be behind a slow-moving farm vehicle? <laughs> Kim over I like it, Kim and Kelsey. Uh, um, you know, I used to. I used to. It used to uh, annoy me so much. I'd have somewhere I needed to go, and I was heading out through the country, and there's that vehicle going about 20 mile an hour, and I couldn't get around it. Or there's that big semi parked in the road, and, and you have to go around it. And that used to bug me. But Garland, I want you to know it doesn't bother me anymore. Because I have a new perspective on that. It's all a matter of perspective, whether, whether something bothers you or not. And, and because it used to be about me. You know, my schedule, my need to get somewhere, my, my sense of needing to hurry. And I realized that, you know, what they're doing is more important than my need to be somewhere quickly. Uh, the work of farming requires that they be on the road and that they do the things they do. And that doesn't annoy me anymore because I have a new perspective on it. And as we move toward the end of this year, I think I heard on the radio that there was like 76 days till Christmas or something like that. Um, we're already beginning to look ahead to the next year. While the farmers are bringing in the harvest of the crops, we are thinking about the harvest that God wants the church to reap from the ministries and mission that it does in this community and in this world. And so we come to that time of year where we have um, one of the most exciting things that we do as a church the annual stewardship campaign. Huh? I, I don't hear any excitement. <laughs> okay, let me, let me, I'm going to give you a little quiz. I call this my excitement quiz. If I name something that you are enthusiastic about, then respond appropriately. If you're not, then just sit there and stare at me like you're doing right now. Okay? Okay. A Colts victory this afternoon. A great meal at your favorite restaurant. You're starting to get it. You're starting. Paying taxes. <laughs> Winning the lottery. The end of daylight savings time in three weeks. <laughs> oh, that was, that was good. Getting a new car. Making payments on a new car. <laughs> Eating chocolate. Eating raisins. You are sick people. You're just sick people, that's all I can say. Now are you ready for it? Here it comes. The annual stewardship campaign. Huh? Huh? You see how easy that was to drum up some excitement about that? 
Now, I think if we're honest, we're probably not too excited about that. Uh, we're coming off a, a very successful capital campaign last spring, and you all responded so generously to that that uh, we've been able to refinance uh, the church uh, as we were scheduled to do. We were able to get a better interest rate than we had before. We were able to lower the payments to the lowest they've been in 10 years. And we've been able to pay down the mortgage below that magic number of a million dollars. And all that because you said yes when we ask you to give in our capital campaign. So why are we doing that again? Well, this is our annual stewardship campaign. Um, it's one thing to have a building and pay for it. It's another to do something in that building. And that's what this is about. Um, you are going to be getting a letter in the mail this week if you're on our mailing list. If you don't get a letter, it's because we don't have you on our mailing list, and we want to. So make sure you get us that information. Uh, we will have some next week out here that you can pick up if you don't get one in the mail. But it's going to be a letter from me. It's going to be a copy of the church budget. It's going to be an estimate of giving card so that you can let us know what you are able to do toward that. And it's going to be a ministry opportunity list. And I'm kind of excited about that one. Uh, when we talk about stewardship here in the church, it's not just money. It's the stewardship of life. Using your time, your energy, your talents, your abilities in service to Christ. And there's a list of, I believe it's 29 things that you could do in the life of this church. And we want you to look over that and prayerfully consider. You may be already maxed out. We've got some people here doing a lot, and we understand that. We don't expect you to do any more. But if you're not, we want you to get connected uh, with the church in a way that gives you an opportunity to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. And hopefully you can find something on there that uh, will work for you. But just like my attitude toward farm vehicles on the road, I, I want to help us have a better perspective on this whole idea of stewardship and giving uh, of ourselves. And I found that in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 11. That's on page 1803 if you're using a pew Bible. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 11. The Apostle Paul helps us to have the right perspective on this whole idea of stewardship. He starts out, remember this. And whenever he says, remember this, do you know what you need to do? Remember this. Yeah, those aren't trick words. Uh, and Paul doesn't say that all the time. In fact, there are very few times in his writings that he bothers to say, remember this. So that tells you that what he's about to say, he considers very important to the life of a Christian. So remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound in you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now that's a lot, but I've kind of distilled that whole scripture down into three principles that if we understand them, they will give us a, a better perspective on this whole idea of stewardship. The first one kind of goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. The harvest depends on the planting. The harvest depends on the planting. I think we all understand you cannot harvest what you do not plant. The farmer can't go out in the spring and look over his fields and say, look at those fields. I can imagine that in September, October, I'm going to have all this corn and beans in these fields and then never do any work. Expecting there to be a crop there in the fall. You've got to plant it if you want to harvest it. And you know, that's true in every area of life. If you want to be good at sports... You have to practice it and work at it. If you want to be good at music, you have to practice it and work at it. If you want to be good in business, you have to invest your, your time, your energy, your talents, and maybe even your resources in that business. And it's true of the church. The church will only reap a harvest for the kingdom of God based upon what we are willing to plant. Number two is the attitude of the planter is important. The attitude of the planter is important. Now, I'm not sure this is true of farming. I suppose that a grumpy, ill-tempered farmer could still produce a good harvest. Would that be true, Garland? I mean, I don't know. I... If you still did the work and planted the seed, even if you were a, a big old sourpuss about it, I suppose you'd still get a good harvest. Now, you would probably have trouble in your relationships with the people you depend on. But Jesus is concerned about that. He doesn't want his church to build his kingdom and to do his work with the wrong attitude. Paul said here, I don't want you to do it reluctantly or under compulsion. I don't want you to feel like I'm back here going, okay, okay. <laughs> he wants us to have the right heart, the right spirit. And we get that from Jesus himself. You know, Jesus did not call on us to think about him. He did not call on us to read about him. He really didn't even call us to gather each week and worship him. The only thing Jesus calls us to do is follow him. Follow me. And that means to do in this world what he did. And to do it in the way he did it. 
Jesus spent his life investing himself in others, teaching others, healing others, helping others, giving the things of God to the people who needed it, bringing hope where there was none. And he did it with a spirit of joy and peace and grace. That's what he asked from us. Whatever you do for me, I want you to do it from the heart, cheerfully, with joy, with grace. So the harvest depends on the planting, and the attitude of the planter is important. And the third thing is, the more we plant, the more we will have to plant. Now a farmer is going to have a limited amount of seed. And you're going to plant what you have, and you're either going to stop, or you're going to go buy more. But God tells us, through Paul here, he is, he is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Furthermore, he says, he who supplies the seed will supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So what that means is you cannot give of yourself to the point that you run out. You may reach a point where you say, I cannot forgive this person anymore. I have forgiven this person numerous times and I am all out of forgiveness. I'm done. Because God says, when you've forgiven all you think you can forgive, I'm going to replenish your forgiveness supply. And you could do it some more. You may say, I've shown all the grace I can to this person. I don't like this person. They're a difficult person. I don't want to be around that person anymore. I'm graced out. And God's going to come along and say, you know what, here's some more. Here's some more grace. Keep loving. Keep caring. See, you, the more we plant, the more he's going to give you to plant. And the more he gives you to plant, the greater the harvest you will reap. That's what he wants from his church. One of the things I hate to hear when I'm in a church meeting is... We've done enough. I think we've done enough. Because the truth is, we've never done enough. How can we do enough when Christ gave absolutely everything for us? As long as there is a need. As long as there is one more person to share Christ with. As long as there is one more child to teach the stories of Scripture, as long as there is one more youth who can use that fellowship of a youth group to turn to and find help and hope, as long as there is one more person uh, needing the ministry of the church, we must do it. We've never done enough. We've never reached a point that we can stop because the more we plant, the more he gives us to plant, and the more he gives us to plant, the more we will reap.
Now, let's get practical with this. Can I have the slide, please? That is our church's proposed budget for 2019. I know it. Come on, come on, come on, come on. It's exciting, I know. Um, you probably can't even read it, for one thing. <laughs> it's so small. But you're going to get that in the mail. Now, I got to admit, looking at that, I'm not very excited. Those words and numbers on that page don't get me fired up. So I'm, I'm a visual guy, and so I'm going to give you a visual way to look at that, okay? Now, what's the, can we go to the other one with the split? Makes it a little bigger. It's like right there. Boom. Look at that first item. Personnel salaries. Now, that may not excite you, I get pretty excited about that. And in order to represent that, I'm going to bring up our associate pastor, Raphael. That's not how I wrote that. <laughs> That's not how that was supposed to happen. <laughs> if that doesn't inspire you to want to give, I don't know what will. Raphael represents our church staff. Um, you may not know, but there's nine of us. There's myself, Raphael, and Greg, your pastoral staff. We have our office administrator, Kathy. We have our custodian, Art. We have our financial secretary and our treasurer. And we have two preschool teachers. And all that's included in that. And when you read personnel salaries, uh, I don't want you to see numbers on paper. I want you to see people. People whose lives are intertwined with yours to lead and guide and implement the ministry of this church. All right, discipleship ministry, that ought to get you going. Disciple, what is that? What is that? Where's Leanne? Leanne, come on down. These people don't know I'm doing this, by the way. I like to be spontaneous. No, no one knows. Here. Yeah. You hold a Bible. Okay. Uh, I, I wanted Leanne to come up because she's one of our Sunday school teachers. Yep. She represents adult discipleship. When we say discipleship, we mean ways in which we try to take this, the Word of God, and put it into your heart and mind so it can then impact your life. Uh, so that's adult. Now, I need, I need a kid. Come on up, Brianna. You want to come up too? Come on up too. I can use two kids. Stand by Leanne here. And here, you two have to hold this big old book. Here, we'll open it up so two of you can, well, there we go. That's one of our Bible stories books we use downstairs. Now I need one of our youth. Gabriel. Come on down. 
My grandkids love when I do stuff like this. I, I could see the excitement. You want us to play the music for you? <laughs> okay, here, you got to put this on, hold this, stand up here by them. Discipleship is the whole church. It impacts our children, our youth, and our adults. And when you see that number up there for discipleship ministry, I hope you see uh, people and the difference it can make in the lives of people. Okay? How about worship ministry? I'm already using him. I can't use him again. Uh, Sue, come on up here. Come on up here. I want you to hold the hymn book. And I need... Wally. Come on up. Come on up, Wally. Here. I want you to hold one of our communion trays. You weren't expecting this, were you? No, I was not. There you go. That's what makes it fun. When you see worship, it's our opportunity to gather to praise the Lord, to commune with him. Um, what we do here, it makes these worship services possible. We have three of these. And we don't have three of these because we have so many people that we have to have three. We have three because we have people who worship in many different ways. And each of our services is different. How many of you have been to a different service than this one? Okay, a, a good number of you. You've decided, for the most part, that this is the one you want to come to. Well, there are people who worship in different ways, and some of them want to be here for what we do at 9.30, some 8.30. We thought about starting at 6 a.m., but I said no. <laughs> there are limits. Well, Raph could do it. <laughs> 6 a.m. service. Mission! Kelsey, come on up, come on up, Kelsey. I need you to hold my baby bottle. Here. Oh, Trish, come on up, Trish. You get our military Bible stick. There you go. When you read mission up there, don't think about numbers on a paper. Think about the opportunities we have to make a difference in the lives of people outside this church. Our baby bottles, uh, every May we pass out baby bottles and ask you to fill them with change and we give those to First Choice for Women that is in Muncie and Anderson. And young ladies that find themselves uh, pregnant and needing help and support, some of them get kicked out of their homes, some of them have nowhere to turn, and they don't know what to do. They're trying to make a decision, do I keep my baby, do I put it up for adoption, do I have an abortion? They're, they're at a turning point in life, and First Choice for Women is there for them. It's a Christian ministry that steps in and says, we're here for you, and we believe that that's important. And last year, we raised $600 just putting, changing baby balls, or not last year, this, this last May. 
Trish has the military Bible stick, and you got to kind of, you know, display. There we go. There we go. There, yeah, do the Vanna. Uh, coming up here next month, every year around Veterans Day, we, we do a special mission around that. Um, a lot of soldiers are not able to carry regular Bibles with them. Um, and they can get easily lost. They can get damaged. So they have these little MP3 players. They're about this big. They fit in your shirt pocket. They can put on their earbuds, and they can listen to the Word of God without having to carry a Bible around. Uh, the chaplains cannot keep enough of these. They're constantly saying, we need more. Can you help us get more? So when, when you read mission and see that number up there, that's what it is. It's the impact we have on people. Oh, this is an exciting one. General expenses. It's one of my faves. All right. You, you want to come up here, don't you? You and Christy, you want to come up here, don't you? One of you gets Kathy Stapler, which she's really particular about. Can I have the light bulb? No. You get the box. Why don't you go down there by her? Yeah. This is one of my favorite categories, general expenses. <laughs> this is the stuff that makes ministry and mission possible. We've got to have copy paper. We've got to have staplers. We've got to have pens and, and folders and all this stuff. We've got to be able to produce newsletters and use copiers. And, and it's kind of all the thing that makes it possible. If we didn't have these general expenses, we would find it difficult to do what we do. They're not real exciting, but they are absolutely necessary. And then the big one, property expense. I know, Jim, you want to come up here, don't you? I know you do. Yeah. Well, Marcy, you get to come with him. Come on. Come on. Oh, Zach, come on. Come on. I need three of you. We need to do this more often. We need these participatory messages more often. Okay, Jim, you get a furnace filter. Marcy, you get my big old light bulb. They tell me we use that somewhere in here. I don't know. Half the lights don't work, so it's hard to tell. Uh, and Zach, you get big money. You know, the mortgage takes big money. Uh, property expense is simply that. It's the the things that are necessary to have the facility in which we do the ministry of the church. All these things are intertwined. They're all necessary. They all make possible the harvest that we want to have for the kingdom of God. These are the seeds. This is what we plant. And that's what your giving makes possible. That's why we have an annual stewardship campaign. That's why we give you an estimate of giving card and ask you to please fill it out and turn it in. And I hope that when you're sitting at home with, with a copy of, can you go back to the big one or the full one? Yeah, we hope when you're sitting at home and looking at that, you remember this. It's not about numbers. It's about people. Well, I'm not sure you want to remember that. That might keep you up at night right there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it's not about numbers. It's about people. And ultimately, it's about Christ. Because without him, not a single one of us would be sitting in this room on a Sunday morning.
and we would have no mission and we would have no message. We wouldn't have anything to teach our children or our youth or our adults. We wouldn't gather to worship. We wouldn't need a building. We wouldn't need a staff. We wouldn't have any mission. And we wouldn't need any office supplies. This is all connected in what we do. Okay, you may all, here. Here we go. You know what, Zach, here, you get a dollar. I'm going to pay you. Dave says if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. You've got to have a plan. You're a wise man, Wally. Does your wife know that? That you're a wise man? Wally just said to me that uh, Dave Ramsey, the guy that does Financial Peace University, says if you don't, if, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every single time. And we want to aim at something. My dad used to say, if you're not good at something, you're going to be good for nothing. We don't want the church to be good for nothing. We want to count for the kingdom. And that's why we do this. And that's why I hope you will be able to generate a certain amount of enthusiasm and excitement about what we're doing. On October 28th, we're going to ask you to bring those cards back. We're going to turn them in. We're going to dedicate them to the Lord. And we're going to move forward into the new year excited about what God is going to do through his church. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for providing us with the resources, the abilities, the time, the energy to be part of what you are doing in this world. That's all we want to do, Lord. We want to figure out what you're about. We want to figure out what is important to you. What are your priorities? And then we want to get on board with that. We want to be involved with that. We want what we do here to count for eternity. And I pray that you would be with us as we go through this time of our annual stewardship campaign. I pray that you will bless us with more seed so that we can do more planting so that we can reap a bountiful harvest for your kingdom. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As I said a moment ago, it's all about Christ. And if you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's the starting point of your stewardship. Before you give anything else to anything else, you need to give your heart to him. You need to say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and I want my life to count for you. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And every week we have an, an opportunity to do that. We have a time of invitation. And if you're ready to open your heart to Jesus, I invite you to come to let me receive you, let me pray with you, let me lead you in a simple statement of faith that says, I believe in Jesus and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. We'll arrange for your baptism and then you can spend the rest of your life 
following him and being part of what he is doing in this world. So let's stand together. We're going to sing hymn number 417, verses 1 and 4. And I invite you to come. Jesus, Jesus. 